19, verses 1 through 27. The Gospel according to John, chapter 19. We'll be reading to verse 27. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them, to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. 
Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from top from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. May God bless the reading of his own word. And let us... I invite you again to open God's Word to the Gospel according to John chapter 19. There are a few verses that we hope to focus on, but we do have this this portion of the trial before Pilate before us as we consider this theme, the crimes imputed to Christ. And the reason we're focusing upon upon this, the, the crimes that were imputed to Christ is because in regards to the Lord's Supper, we're, we're considering one of the figures of forgiveness, the figure of blotting out sin. Forgiveness as the blotting out of sin. We began considering this figure of forgiveness last Lord's Day in the morning, and we will continue into this Lord's Supper because there's, there's one more facet to this figure that we have to cover There's really, um, to every figure of forgiveness, there is this facet that we will consider today. When we considered forgiveness as the washing away of filth, we saw that, well, then that means that sin also is a figure. It is like filth. When we think of the figure of forgiveness, that it is like pardoning of a debt, well, then that means that sin has the figure that it is like a debt that is owed. There's even a parable that the Lord Jesus tells where one debtor basically had a debt that was impossible to be paid. That's the figure of of sin. And then with the figure of forgiveness as the blotting out of, of an error of a mistake in a manuscript that has there's a mistake there and it cannot stay so you blot it out you you cross it over and and, and it's to the point where you do see a blot but you don't longer see the mistake and and we saw that in regards to, to sin the figure is that it's it's not just a mistake it's a criminal record and here's your name and here's your criminal record and forgiveness has this beautiful figure that it is all blotted out and it, and it's especially Precious when you think of the possibility that this is applied to a wax tablet where the blotting out is not that you just see blots, but you do see emptiness because in, in the place of all those criminal records, you have that stylus that would press the wax and make it where it's smooth again. And the, the whole idea is you don't just use the stylus to even press it. You just put the wax tablet back to melt and it's as smooth as ever. That is what it means to have your sins blotted out. But 
that then does mean that sin is not like a criminal record. It is a criminal record. But what is the part that we still need to see? And that this passage in, 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 in the arrest of Christ and His standing before um, Pilate in a judgment helps us understand is this. The transfer of the sin. And in our first point, we will see the transfer of the records. Boys and girls, I, I want you to understand this. When we think of forgiveness in these figures, I, I really do believe God has in mind even little children. God's Word always has in mind little children. But when He makes a lot of figures, a lot of pictures, He really means for little children to understand this. And if little children can understand this, we as adults cannot let it escape us. God wants us to see sin as, as a very bad blemish and filth. And we can all see the figure of, of us walking in the home. We fell on the dirt. We're full of mud and it's all dirty. We need to be washed. And we do. We put our clothes in the washer and, and, and all of that filth is, is being cleansed. That's a figure of forgiveness. And that's God's mercy. But we need to understand that God is also just. When your sins are washed away, or when your debt is paid for, or when your criminal record is erased, it doesn't go just the washing of sin. The sin doesn't just stay in a river and it just stays there. The sin doesn't just stay under the blot and, and you can't see it, but it's still there. The debt has to be paid. So what we're seeing today is this whole reality of the transfer. The Lord Jesus Christ received the filth of our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ became the debtor who had to pay for our sins. And the Lord Jesus Christ, today we're mainly considering He's the one who received the record of our sins. Whatever our sin is for you to be forgiven, Jesus had to suffer like the one who committed that crime. And when we come to the very judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we see the transfer of these records very, very vividly because the Lord Jesus could not have been executed for no reason. It couldn't be just because the Jewish leaders were were jealous of Jesus. Even Pilate wanted to be sure. He, he was so certain that that's the only reason they hated Jesus. And for Pilate, it didn't matter what they had in terms of their religious reasons. They had to convince Pilate that it was in his interest and in the interest of Rome. And we will consider in our second point the charges and crimes then that were officially leveled against Christ. But then in this first point, we're simply considering this. The, the, the reality that for forgiveness to happen, it is not just you that receive, as it were, the, the, the beautiful figure of it. My sins washed, my debt paid, my criminal record erased. Yes, and that's the mercy part. But there's the justice part. And for the justice, we always go to Jesus. And we go to Jesus especially in the time that He is in a court, in a court of justice. 
And, and we're not looking at the whole process. The whole process would be Jesus before the Sanhedrin. And, and there, there would have been three parts to that. Jesus was with Annas first and then with Caiaphas early in the night and then later early in the morning back to Caiaphas because there had to be a little portion of the, tri- the, of the trial during the day for it to be legal. It couldn't be overnight, especially to, to condemn someone to death. So there were three parts in, in the Jewish realm. And then they bring Jesus to Pilate and there were three parts there too. First before Pilate, which is this first part that we see. And then he goes to Herod and then he returns to Pilate And after that, he is sentenced to death. So the Lord Jesus had three um, trials in the religious side, three trials in the Roman side. And let's consider now then in our second point, what were the charges and crimes for which the Lord Jesus was dying? What was the debt that he was paying? What, What were they saying he was filthy with? That it was such a filth, it was such a blemish in his character, both religious and civil, that both courts, the religious court and the state court, condemned him to death. And so let's begin looking at what these charges were. The first charge was the charge of blasphemy. And we find this here in John 19 when, when Pilate is there not understanding why they think that this is serious. He's not believing the charge that we'll talk about in just a little bit, the charge of, of sedition against the state and the Roman Empire. He's not taking that seriously. And in verse 7, when, when, he, when he says, I find no fault in him. In verse 6, he says, I find no fault in him. Verse 4, he says, I find no fault in him. And then verse 6, I find no fault in him. In verse 7, they start with, with their, their reason for thinking he should die. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die. Because, see this is very important, this, in the minds of the Sanhedrin, in the minds of the chief priests, of the high priests, this was the reason why he was supposed to die. He made himself the son of of God. And that is the sin of blasphemy. Um, another place that we have this very, very clear and very stated, and when it happened, if we go to Matthew um, 26, verse 63, that's where we find Jesus in the religious tribunal before Caiaphas. And let me read a few verses for us to see the flow. So in Matthew twenty six sixty three it says, But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, over our New Year's services, we we read from Daniel, and we read from Daniel 7 where this passage is, and Jesus is completely, literally declaring, I am that Son of Man. I am that one who comes in the clouds before the Ancient of Days. And, And Caiaphas understands this. He is literally saying, I'm the Messiah. In verse 65, it says, Then the high priest rent his clothes. He tore his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we? 
of witnesses. Behold now, ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? So he's asking the jury. He's asking the Sanhedrin to give their, their, their charge. And they answered and said, verse 66, He is guilty of death. And they thought Christ was so dirty at this point. They saw him as one who was so indebted to such a horrible crime. It says in verse 67, Then they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. They are beginning, as it were, to to impugn upon him what they think he deserves for such a high crime as to think that he was the Messiah. They were accusing him of the crime of blasphemy. And this is what they even tell Pilate. He made himself the son of God, and and by our law he ought to die. And what is blasphemy? Well, blasphemy basically is, is a word for slander. It is to impugn evil even upon a person. But it's become exclusively used, basically, regarding a spiritual Reality, So it would be a speech that would be injurious to, to divine majesty. To speak evil of God would be considered then blasphemous. And, and for someone to think he is God or that he is the son of God, that would be considered blasphemous as well. But, of course, in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the complete truth. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And, and by the way, this, this is a solid proof that the Lord Jesus Christ did declare and He did promote the truth and He did teach about His divinity. There, there are people who say, you know, I don't know why people say that Jesus is divine. He never even declared that about Himself. Well, we, we see here how clearly it is that He's, he's being sent to die because he made himself as God. And Jesus says not a single word. Um, this is when Pilate became afraid of him. And then Pilate even says, when are you from? Where are you from? And Jesus said nothing. See, Pilate was very used to having people who, even, who were guilty and who would plead and plead and plead that they were innocent. Or at least plead for a lesser sentence. Imagine someone who's innocent, how it would be natural for them to plead. And so by Jesus saying nothing, it is a declaration that it is exactly what they are saying. Yes, I did say I am the Son of God. Yes, I did declare that to them. They have those charges, but I have nothing to say because it's completely true. And so Christ was condemned to death by the Jewish tribunal for the sin of blasphemy. And then secondly, comes the reason for which Pilate has to put him to death. Because that's not enough. Um, Pilate would never put him to death for a law that was broken in the religious institution of the Jews. Because that's not even what he's supposed to do. This, this is even what he was talking to to those leaders about. If, if we go to chapter 18, we, we even see this whole procedure starting um, where, where he says, listen, you, you just take him and deal with him. But then they said, well, the problem is that by what he broke in our law, he needs to die. And so you all need to do that because we, we can't execute him. It has to be you. 
But then they have to, of course, find a reason that would, be, would matter to Pilate and to Rome. And it's clear what that reason is. It's the charge of treason. So the charge of blasphemy by the Jewish courts and the charge of treason by the Roman courts. But Pilate has to be convinced of this because he isn't. And, and this is where there's an irony because here these are the Romans um, and, and the Jewish people hated the Romans. And if there was someone who wanted to go against the Romans, it would be their hero and not a criminal. But they have to go against even their way of thinking because they're just intent in killing Jesus. And it's so obvious that the Lord Jesus is not really an earthly king. He has no army. He has no political advances. He has no influence. He has basically no money. It, it is obvious that that's not what Jesus is doing. The Lord Jesus himself made it so patently clear that, that he is not wanting to make himself seen as an earthly king. There was once that they were trying to 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 crown him as king in John six fifteen it says when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king he departed again into a mountain himself alone we've been seeing in our study of Luke that Jesus was telling the people whatever is Caesar's give to Caesar and we will see that that one of the the, the accusations that they bring to try to make Pilate believe that he said he, he, he wanted to be a king and go against the Roman um, Empire, they'll, they'll, they'll lash out a, blunt, blunt, uh, a blatant lie and say that Jesus is telling people not to pay taxes. We find that in one of the Gospels. But we're studying in Luke that Jesus said, whatever is Caesar's, Render to Caesars. He never organized his disciples as an army or a political party. And what, what sort of political leader would tell his followers what he says in Matthew eight twenty? The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He was not trying to create an earthly following for, for political advancement. But these leaders have to, have to make it sound like he is, that he is challenging the Roman Empire. And so if you go to chapter 18 in verse 29, we, we find Pilate doing something very legal and very right. It's in, in all the procedures, it's almost the only thing that was right. In verse 29, it says, Pilate then went out to them when, when the Sanhedrin brought Jesus and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? He's asking, why, why do you come? It must have impressed Pilate that the whole Sanhedrin was probably there. He probably never saw such an intent for a man to be executed from the Jewish side. And he asks something very right. What is the accusation? And, and, and they, they, they use words that are classical of people who do not have the truth. They say... Um, if he were not a malefactor, we would have not delivered him up unto thee. It's almost like they're offended saying, if we hadn't done everything rightly and that he really did deserve death, we wouldn't have even brought him to you. Are you accusing us of maybe bringing someone who does not deserve to die and actually he does? In verse 31, we see that they're still talking to, to, to Pilate. And then in verse 33, he comes to Jesus and he says, Art thou the king of the Jews? So it's made clear 
that in their conversation they said, He declares He's a king. And that is your interest, Pilate, in executing Him. Because in essence, He's a revolutionary. He's a rebel. He's a traitor. Um, In Luke 23, verse 2, we, we have it very clearly set forth. It says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Now, as we read through John, you noticed it, it, Pilate doesn't really fall for that. He, he, he even mocks Jesus as a king. The, the very beginning of the text where they plate the crown of thorns and they, and they pretend as it were for him to be king and, and say, Hail king, because they're, they're making fun of that accusation. They're, they're not really taking it in and putting it in the books yet. But then, and then when Jesus, when it's even said that he is the son of God, we read in verse 8 that Pilate is now even afraid. And he's still trying to let Jesus go forth, not be, uh, not be um, condemned. In verse 12, we, we hear, after Jesus even said, Pilate said, why, why are you not answering me? Don't you know I have the authority to execute you or to free you? And Jesus said in verse 11, that very solemn and showing his sovereign reality, he says, thou could have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. To Pilate that would be a very ominous saying, very mysterious. Jesus was saying, I want you to understand, Pilate, you're not the one in control here. There is a power from above over you. And it's clear in the connections that Christ is part of that power. And here, beloved, we find a very important application when we think of the justice of Christ. All these people, the judgment of Jesus, all these people thought they were making decisions about the destiny of Jesus. But it was really all the while Jesus making a decision about their destiny. And this is the same dynamic even here today. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, see, as you react to who Christ is, Christ decides your destiny. It's not you who who have to be deciding, what do I do with Jesus? It is Jesus who decides what he does with you. And those who reject him, even though they're, they're making a decision about Jesus, it is their destiny that is sealed. And when you trust him, when you believe in who he is, he makes a decision about your destiny. So Pilate is taken with that. He is afraid. In verse 12 it says, From thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. So Pilate now is even more forceful. He's not just asking, What do you think I do with him? What, um, I, I see no, no fault in him. No, now he is doing what he can to release Jesus. The, the Jews capture that and they realize it's kind of like their last, last attempt. So in verse 12, they say this, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaks against Caesar. 
And so now they, they, they are literally saying, you, Pilate, will be complicit with this man if you don't execute him. He has made himself an enemy of Caesar. If you become his friend, you are also an enemy of Caesar too. This, this is what we can connect to be the, the linking element that grabbed Pilate's heart. And in his levels of fear, it got to the greatest level. He was fearing Jesus by what we see. He was fearing the people because he was kind of going along with them and just trying to find a way that he can, can, can get rid of Jesus and not really be impugned to him. That's even why he sends him to Herod. But he fears Tiberius Caesar more. See, this, the Jewish people had already sent complaints earlier about Pilate. And imagine what went through Pilate's mind is this. If Caesar catches wind that I am siding with someone who pretends to be king outside of the authority of Caesar, and even though I don't even think this is true, Caesar might not know all the details and he might impugn a fault in me. So I better put it in the registry that this man committed treason. So this is what happened. He was accused of blasphemy and he was accused of treason. And in being accused of these two crimes by each tribunal being deserving of death, that's why the Lord Jesus was sent to the cross. Slander and sedition, blasphemy or treason. And beloved, you see this dynamic. See, at the cross, it wasn't a figure. It wasn't a figure that Jesus was being um, considered a criminal. It was a fact. It, It was what they literally were doing. It wasn't true. These were false accusations. Jesus never committed a single blasphemy. He, he couldn't ever say anything slanderous against the Father. He only could say the things that were good. He, he, he came in obedience to the Father. Doing the Father's will was even food to Him. The last, it, it would be impossible for the Lord Jesus to ever be a blasphemer. And when He said He was the Son of God, it was the complete truth. And as for sedition, how can the king of kings be a traitor to the throne? All of those men before him were the blasphemers, and they were the traitors. And Jesus was the rightful God and rightful king. But see, the world did impugn upon him those very crimes. So what we see in the, in the judgment of Jesus, the reality of the figure, the figure for you to have your crimes blotted out, those crimes had to go to a victim. And here we find the Lord Jesus receiving a list of crimes. And he receives them because of us, because of our own sins, not because of his. This is, this is beloved, what forgiveness is your sins are forgiven but the Lord Jesus had to suffer and pay for them he had to be treated as the one who was filthy he had to be treated as the one who had an impossible debt to be paid he had to be treated as if he had those criminal charges against him and and at this point 
in terms of the crime, in terms of the figure of blotting out, the figure became a fact in terms of the world, of course, that they actually put on the records. The Sanhedrin had to keep a book, and they wrote, this Jesus of Nazareth has to be executed because of the crime of blasphemy. And in the Roman books, they had to write and inscribe somewhere, this Jesus of Nazareth, who was condemned by the Sanhedrin of the Jewish people, has to be executed by crucifixion because he committed the crime of treason. And when we follow the text, we see that this, this was having to be made somewhat official. And, and so, as Christ is sent forth and he is crucified, we read in verse 19, And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The, the Jews protested because they don't want a declaration like that. Even that was in irony, but, but it was amazing because it was the truth. They said, just say it, that he said that. And he said, what I wrote, I wrote. But you see, with Pilate writing there, what you have there is Jesus dying on the cross. And the banner over him is the imputed crime that they were saying he committed. The crime of treason. They were saying, this is what happens if someone wants to declare himself a king. He, he will have a crown, but of thorns. And he will be raised up, but not on a throne, on a cross. That's what happened. That's what I mean by the charges and crimes and the transfer of records. And beloved, this in a sense completes the figure of, of the blotting out of sins. And how do you... And me, how do we apply this reality? The question is, have you, have you applied to Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins so that they would be washed, so that they would be paid for, so that your crimes would be transferred to Jesus? And you could say, well, I've, I've never really committed the crime of blasphemy or, or I'm not trying to be a king of anybody or anywhere. I'm not, I'm not saying bad things about God. But beloved, the amazing thing about these two records of crimes, and I remember once mentioning this as we looked at the sufferings of Christ because that was one of his sufferings. Imagine the Son of God, how, how it brought pain to his heart to have these false accusations against him. But when you put these two titles, the, the, the sin of blasphemy and the sin of treason, you, literally every single sin that you and I commit fall under those two titles. Because when we sin, we are for that moment declaring that we have a law that is higher than God's. We are in essence declaring we are God's unto ourselves. And that is blasphemy. And, and when we think of God as our king. And the one we should bow to and obey and serve and show honor to. Every time we disobey him we are turning our faces from our king. We, we, are, we are obeying another imposture king. We are declaring we are the kings of our own lives. Just like we would declare we are our own gods, we can declare we are our own kings. And that is blasphemy, and that is treason. Every sin falls in those two categories. 
And those are the reasons why Jesus died in this world. See how, how true it is that the figure became a fact. The figure of sins being transferred to someone, it became a fact because Jesus was condemned as a traitor and as a blasphemer. But not because He ever committed those, but because you and I have. And for anyone to be saved, what we need to do, if you're not saved today, you need to say, Lord, forgive me for my blasphemies. Forgive me for my treason. I am a blasphemer and I am a traitor. I have usurped the Godhead and I have usurped the throne in my sins, in my lies, in my lusts, in my unbelief. I am a criminal. The record is upon me. And Lord, I pray, blot it out. Forgive me. And beloved, just, just in closing, putting this together with, with last Lord's Day, the passage we were in was Acts 3. And remember what Peter does in that sermon. He, he lists the records of crimes of the people. And he told the people, remember, you are the crowd who delivered the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. You are the crowd who denied the Messiah. You are the crowd who desired a murder instead of the Messiah. And you are the crowd who murdered the Messiah. There, there aren't greater sins. There aren't greater crimes that can ever be done by a people than, than these. You would agree. But that is the very passage where, where then Peter says in, in Acts um, 3, he says, Repent ye therefore, verse 19, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. He's literally saying, these very crimes I listed, they can be blotted out, they can be erased. The wax tablet will be smooth as ever. It won't be there anymore. But for that to happen, Jesus had to be the one who committed those crimes. And when you look at those crimes, what are they? Well, if, if you're delivering the Messiah, if you despise the Messiah, you're murder, that's all blasphemy. And if you trade the name Messiah for king, to deliver the king, to choose a murder instead of the king, to despise the king and to murder the king, that is treason. And in that very passage, beloved, we find that reality. They first healed the man and then they offered forgiveness. Beloved, you and I here stand with the same precious truth. As powerful and as willing God was to heal that man lame for 40 years, God is powerful and willing to heal, forgive all of your sins, all the blasphemies and all the treasons. Every time you preferred, perhaps maybe not a murder, but you have preferred sin over righteousness. And in every falsehood that we do, in every sin that we commit, we are despising Jesus, our Messiah, our King. Blasphemy, treason. And, and the proclamation of Peter was, that can be erased, blotted out of your records, if you believe in Jesus, if you repent of your sins. That's the mercy. And today we saw the justice. Jesus had to suffer. And as we come around the table, beloved, it's what we'll see. Mercy for our hearts. Jesus was the one who did the justice. That's why the wine is representing his blood. And the bread represents his broken body.
You notice this, beloved, a very simple reality. You eat of the bread that is mercy. It is Jesus who died. That was justice. My sins were blotted out so I can be nurtured. The Lord Jesus, His blood had to be shed. That was justice. Sins are not put into a corner of the cosmos. God could still see it there. It had to be put upon His Son. And Jesus had to suffer on Calvary's cross. Let us pray. Our gracious, glorious God, this day, Lord, as we remember the death of Christ, we pray, Lord, impress upon our hearts this simple reality that for our sins to be forgiven, Jesus had to suffer. For our sins to be blotted out from us, they needed to be transferred to Him. For our criminal record to be made clear, Jesus had to have a criminal record. And that was not a figure. It was a fact. But it wasn't true. But He suffered as if it were. Lord, impress these truths that our hearts would be full of gratitude and joy mixed with the sadness and repentance for our sins that made His suffering necessary. Please help us now, Lord, as we read the form and as we partake shortly. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.